Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you and uh, was excited and I've been thinking about this message for a while and wanted to actually release it in September uh, just because it's a launch year for uh, so many of us who are leading and pastoring churches uh, and thus there is generally a great increase in anxiety uh, around this time of year. So our topic is you know, how Jesus dealt with leadership anxiety. You know, what did Jesus do? And I'm going to take my reflections out of John chapter 7. And it's a, it's a tremendous passage when uh, his siblings come to him, his brothers come to him, and uh, they are give him a strategic plan to leave Galilee and get down to Judea, Jerusalem, the capital city where it's happening, so people can see what he's doing and thus believe in him. So I'm going to read that passage in a few minutes, but let me just give you a bit of uh, introduction and a background, and then we'll dig into it. And there are some tremendous insights in this text about uh, for us to be able to lead, take initiative, move forward, and yet in a relaxed fashion. I mean, anxiety is one of the greatest challenges for leadership. Uh, you know, I, I try to monitor my body uh, in, you know, am I in a good place, you know, of rest and, and the signals uh, within myself that, I, that I've strayed. So let, let me just begin uh, just to see if you're off center a bit, you know, today. One of the, here's some signs for me that I know, you know, I'm anxious, uh, I'm rushing, I'm hurrying. Uh, my body's in a knot. You know, I'm, I'm doing you know too many things. I have too little time to get them done. My mind is racing, especially at night. Uh, I'm not able to be fully present with people. Uh, I find I'm with someone, but I'm actually thinking about something else. Or I'm irritable around the simple tasks of life. You know, like waiting online for the supermarket or a traffic light. Or and then I'm skimming on my time with God. I mean, I'm spending time with God, but it's. Uh, it's a bit rushed. Uh, it's tight. I'll say I'll get to this later. And uh, they're just a few of my own warning signs, and I'm sure you have your own. Uh, but this issue of leadership and anxiety is, is really a, a, a large one. And so let me ask you, what anxieties or fears you know, are you carrying you know, today you know, as you listen to this? And again, I'm very aware most of you are in a car or walking or mowing a lawn and you got your earphones on, which is, and you're listening to this. But let me just... Right now, ask yourself, what, what are you carrying? What are some anxieties? And, and uh, so let me give you the context here of John 7 in, for this little devotional. And uh, because it's the context that makes this passage so powerful as we observe Jesus dealing with the pressure and the anxieties around him. Uh, it begins in chapter 6 uh, of the Gospel of John where uh, Jesus finds himself actually in, in, in a couple of impossible situations. It begins with uh, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus looks up and he sees a great crowd coming to him. And, uh, you know, he's got five, 10,000 people coming. And, you know, he says, Philip, where will we find food for these people to eat? And he does this to test Philip, it's a discipleship moment. And, and, uh, and Jesus, likes to, Jesus likes to test us, as you know, in impossible or difficult situations from time to time. And, uh, and then Jesus, you know, he's basically revealing himself. You know, I am the bread of life. I'm, I'm here. And, and uh, disciples can't see it, but Jesus is more than enough. And, and then he feeds the, the 5,000 men, again, 10 to 15,000 people. Uh, and then he puts the disciples in a boat and he sends them into a storm uh, in John 6 in the dark. Uh, 
And they, again, they find themselves in an impossible situation, and Jesus ends up walking on water. He reveals himself. He says, don't be afraid. And he reveals his person to them in the midst of the storm, just like he does to us so often. And it says, as soon as they, you know, he comes into the boat, they invite him in the boat, boom, they find themselves on the other side. Uh, and, you know, again, a mini miracle uh, within a miracle. And the crowds follow him, and he's realizing that the, the crowds have wrong, mixed, distorted motives in following him. And and uh, the crowd say in you know, John 6, 25, you know, Rabbi, when did you get here? And then Jesus begins to say, you know, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. And then the crowds ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And and Jesus tells him, this is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the New Testament. He says, this is the work of God is this, Jesus says, to believe in the one he has sent, to, to trust him, to be trusting in the one he has sent. And I'm going to come back to this in a little while. And and because that's the whole purpose of the whole Gospel of John, is that we might be believing in Jesus, trusting Jesus. And one of the great translations of that is to relax in Jesus, you know, not be anxious. You know, this is the work of God. The number one work of leadership is to relax in Jesus, is to, is to be with him, trusting, relaxing, not anxious. Uh, in fact, that word trusting or believing in Jesus is found 98 times just in the Gospel of John. And so... Uh, in fact, I think it can be rightly said the whole purpose of the Gospel of John is to create in us, uh, as his followers, a relaxation in Jesus. Uh, and thus we can obey him and follow him and do his will regardless of where it leads us because we're, we're trusting him. It's not a one-time thing to just believe for salvation. It's a life. And uh, to trust in Jesus, to believe in Jesus, is to relax in Jesus. And so the question is, am I relaxed? And again, I come from a family. Uh, where if you did my genogram, anxiety was my mother's middle name. Uh, so it's in my DNA. And uh, one famous psychologist once said that all of life is a matter of one person passing on their anxiety to another. Uh, and I, I just know it well on a personal level. Like, and I remember I played high school basketball and my mother would uh, tell me not to go on a trip because she was very much into psychics and gypsies. And she said, your bus is going to crash and you're going to die. And uh, you know, I had an uncle, my godfather, who never got on a plane uh, because he was too anxious about it and uh, never changed his job in which he was miserable. Why? Because he was too anxious. Um, Overfunctioning is all about anxiety. I do for others what they can and should do for themselves because I'm anxious that they won't get it done. And so, again, I, I, whether it's anxiety about weather or failure or future, I mean, it's so deep. I mean, I, I barely can trust Google Maps, you know, or Waze. And, and how do they know? It's, they're just, you know, an algorithm, you know. And uh, the fear, again, of getting lost in, in the dark. And uh, so what's fascinating, if you look closely at this passage in John 6, four times Jesus makes a statement. Uh, now, understand he's, he's aware that the thousands and thousands of people that are following him at this moment, I mean, he look, he's a superstar, that they're, they're going to leave him, that they're, they're, they're about to desert him. And I think I actually released that sermon on a podcast a few weeks ago that I did on that text. But Jesus says, you know, four times, here's what, here's what he says, and he's got a tremendous sense of the sovereignty of God, that it is God who brings him disciples who are going to follow him. Uh, in other words, that He's, just, he's trusting and resting the sovereignty of God. And he says, you know, every single person the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. In other words, he's got a sense that the Father is going to bring me the people. Uh, all those the Father gives me will come to me. Then he says later, again, 
uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And then later he says in verse 65, that's why I can say to you, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And what we see in these texts is a, is a deep rest and trust uh, in the sovereignty of God that Jesus trusts the Father to send him the right people in the right time. That God's in charge, that God the Father is in charge of world missions. Uh, he's in charge of the church. Uh, we'll always have the supply of people that we need. And Jesus is not worried about quantity at this point. He's very relaxed, not anxious, that God will bring people to him in his own time, in his own way. Uh, and God's actually sovereign and in charge of successes and apparent setbacks uh, in our ministries. I mean, now we'll come back to this, but just imagine that alone. Just getting that kind of trust that God's going to bring to you the people you need to take the next step uh, in your ministry. It doesn't mean you don't look for people and hire people and look for key volunteers and pray and ask the Father to give them to you. But behind that prayer or within that prayer is a sense of trust that the Father is going to give me the people that I need uh, for what he's asked me to build here in his time. And so if he's not bringing the people, he's doing something larger here. And and I can trust him in that limit. I can just take a deep breath and relax. And so, you know, when Jesus says that word, what must we do to do the work that God requires? That first work for you and that first work for me today is to believe in the one he has sent, to, to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to relax in Jesus. Again, easier said than done. And so as the story goes, uh, Jesus begins to teach some difficult things in John 6, and disciples say this is a hard teaching. And then there is the great defection uh, where it says many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, this is the context of our of, of chapter 7, which we're going to get into in just a moment here. Thousands walk away from Jesus. Uh, it's the first recorded mass defection from Jesus. And uh, there's a massive loss now. Again, there'll be massive fruit later, but right now, things are not looking good. And so Jesus is losing, it seems like, everyone. The, the 12 disciples barely hang on. Uh, and again, one of those 12 is Judas, and Jesus is well aware he's hanging on right now, but eventually he's going to leave too. And uh, so in the context of what's happening here, in this, we're going to pick up the passage here in John 7, is unbelief in Jesus and just not trusting in Jesus, not relaxing in Jesus, and people leave. And so here now in chapter 7, here, here, here's the text reads, uh, From this time, many of his disciples no longer followed him. And then Jesus asked the 12, do you want to leave also? And then it says, chapter 7, verse 1, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. Now, Galilee is, is up north. It's the backwoods. It's the sticks. Um, and it says, so, so he's in the backwoods. He's in a very unstrategic place. Uh, and he's going around. Again, he's probably teaching and healing. But it says he did not want to go in, to Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. So he doesn't, he, he chooses not to go to Jerusalem, not to go south. Uh, but when the Jewish festival of the tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to, uh, to the world. So his brothers are very anxious. I mean, we just had, he just, he, they'd just been a part of this massive defection in Jesus, all these people leaving. And Jesus is in this despised corner of Galilee in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you know, it's like he's pastoring a little local church that nobody knows. And his brothers come to him and say, listen, Jesus, uh, you got to do something, you know, be successful, you know, make an impression. You, you got to go to the capital city. You know, everybody's there and uh, they're, they're panicking. 
because uh, they really want Jesus to be a success. And and uh, really, w- what Jesus discerns at this moment is that this is the temptations of the wilderness, you know, all over again. They're basically saying to Jesus, you know, get to Hollywood. Uh, they think Jesus needs an agent, you know, some public relations, and uh, they're concerned about his reputation, you know, his career, his, his ministry, and uh, they want him to be a success. Uh, the problem is they want him to be a success, but it's it's not, you know, God's way. They want him to, to show off, and what they don't see is that even showing off so other people can be impressed, uh, that alone is unbelief. Uh, and Jesus just, he, he's so apparently unstrategic because he says to them, uh, my time must not yet come. In fact, it says in the text here, his, even his own brothers did not believe in him. Uh, and then Jesus says to them, my time has not yet come. For any for you, any time will, will do. You go to the festival. I am not going because my time has not yet fully come. And uh, he's got a tremendous sense of the Father's timing. So he says he, he doesn't go for it. He doesn't make it happen. Uh, he's not a winner uh, in the world sense. And he, he knows that you can win the world uh, and lose your soul. You can you can numerically grow your you know ministry or whatever you're involved in here in you know, a nonprofit or a company uh and uh, his timing is just it's surprising it's always surprising because it, it's so determined you know just solely by the father and what Jesus discerns here and it happens to us all the time is that the temptations of Matthew 4 the wilderness the devil coming at Jesus to tempt him to turn this bread to stone you know, make a show, you know, jump from the temple, Temple, everybody will believe in you, you know, do something or, you know, just bow to me for a, a minute, the devil says, and I'll give you all the kingdoms, you know, do something, do, have a worldwide ministry. But Jesus realizes, even though it's all uh, apparently good ministry, he recognizes it's all anchored in unbelief and anxiety. Uh, and he doesn't go for it. He doesn't, he, he discerns it. It's It's demonic. It's uh, it's not the lowly way of the cross. It's it's an it's show business, and uh, he doesn't do it. And he says, "My time has not yet come for you. Any time will do." And you know, my time. And he says a second time in the same text, "My time has not yet fully come." I mean, let me just ask you know, what do you do when you know people who mean well, his brothers mean well, they're like strategic consultants. You know, I, I've been, you know, I, I believe in strategic consultants. There's many, you know, good ones. And I mean, so many good ones that serve, you know, churches and ministries and, you know, nonprofits and you know, corporations. And I, I used to always bring in, I, I, you know, still do occasionally bring in an, a, a strategic consultant to uh, help us see where we are objectively and, and look to the future. And, um, but I've done enough of them over the, the decades uh, to recognize their limits uh, because all strategic plans have a general premise, which is I'm going to maximize what I've got and you know seize the opportunities before me, and uh, which is all good. But Jesus in this moment smells a rat, even though it would be so strategic for him to go to Jerusalem. He's just had a big loss, and you know begin to preach and heal there, you know in, in front of the crowds, uh, and he can make a big impact there. You know go to the main place, get a hold of the decision makers, you know show your stuff. Uh, but he's very deeply concerned about his oneness with the Father and the motives and methods. And it's not just the mission, it's how we do the mission. It's the our inner state as we're in process. And am I in a place of relaxing, you know, and, and uh, uh, j- just that, that state of, of, of trusting? And uh, so let me ask you this, uh, you know, this question, how, 
what anxiety or fears are you carrying today? And, and how do you hear the word of Jesus, the invitation, you know, to relax in him? I am convinced that the greatest leadership we can offer is to be with Jesus, that our life itself becomes a sign and wonder. It's so radically different than uh, the world around us. We don't do leadership uh, as Christ followers like everybody else. So again, we can learn from other people, uh, but secular leadership and leadership in the name of Jesus are two very different things because uh, we don't seize the day. Uh, we don't all the time. We don't grab opportunities. We, we don't always maximize, quote, our resources. We, we listen. Uh, we listen to him. And we pay attention to what is the Father's uh, plan and time for us. And what's, what's the unique dream he has for our lives that he's placed in us for, to, to serve him. And we embrace the limits of that. And uh, as a gift, limits are a, a friend. Uh, and this theology of limits is, is so critical to leadership uh, and anxiety because if we don't catch that theology, biblical theology of limits, uh, we end up crossing a lot of lines and end up in the devil's territory. And, and here's my little you know, three to four minute theology of limits. I mean, it's found all through scripture. We see it in you know, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know, Father offers him, says, you know, eat from any tree of the garden you want, but this one tree, do not eat of it. And the issue of rebellion against God for Adam and Eve in the Garden, the probation of their trust in, in the Father was around the limit. They were not to eat from this one tree. Uh, but they, they but they, they, they were to be dependent. They, they were to relax in the Father's wisdom. That he knows good and evil. He's got it all. And, of course, the temptation is to cross that limit. And they do it. They grab the tree. They eat it. They rebel. Because limits and rebellion are tightly related. And the consequences are still with us to this day. And when we cross limits that are given to us as a gift from God that we're to surrender to, we cross them. We, we make that move. Chaos results. And uh, I'm sure you know if you think about one that you've crossed, I can think of many that I've crossed. Uh, and it really, in the name of Jesus, it really was rebellion against Jesus because I was grabbing something that wasn't mine to grab. And whether it was planting a new congregation or making a quick hire uh, or doing three initiatives at once that I didn't have the, the ability to do, just releases chaos. I end up in, end up in enemy territory. Uh, and then we see the devil with Jesus in the wilderness. Every temptation of the wilderness of Jesus, and those, those Matthew 4, Luke 4, uh, the temptations of the wilderness, friends, are, are so worth uh, memorizing because they are the temptations that come to us consistently over time in different ways. In John 7, in this, his brothers, with all good intentions, encouraging him, exhorting him to get to Jerusalem, uh, it's all good. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're trying to do good, but they are trying to get Jesus to be a success uh, by the world centers, and it, it, as you know, pulls us into something that, and, and, and into something inside of us, and it gets us in places that we don't need to be. And but Jesus in the world and it surrenders to lim limits, uh, whether it's bread or jumping or having a, a quick worldwide ministry. And with social media, you can have a worldwide ministry pretty fast. Uh, you can be big uh, with technology now uh, at 25 years old. Uh, you can do a few things, and 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 you can on one level. Uh, move things fast or large and end up really in the 
enemy's camp. And again, it's chaos. You, the fruit of it is not the is not the peaceable fruit of gentleness and joy and patience. Uh, and I'll call it. Let's go to the, let's go to the fruit of relaxation in Jesus, because uh, it is a challenge to lead something forward in while trusting in Jesus and and the Father's timing and trusting the Father to bring me the people I need for the next phase. Because I can, Father, you just bring me this, this person right now. We can get this done and uh, and the tensions and and so let me ask you, what do you normally do when external counsel comes to you or an internal voice inside of you urges you to act? quickly so you don't appear to be failing i mean jesus appears to be failing here and it's in those moments uh when i I know in my own history is when i think i feel like things are going south or fragile i've got to act quick i gotta make i gotta i gotta make a decision and uh those are the moments of the of the temptations of the wilderness and jesus again he's so connected in, in a sense of deep oneness with the Father. He's got such a deep sense of the sovereignty of God. He's able to say, my time has not yet come. Uh, you know, and uh, for you, any time is, is fine. But for me, uh, my time has not yet fully come. And it says he stays there in Galilee in the backwoods uh, in a very unstrategic place. And I just kind of try to imagine that Judas, you know, fuming or disciples, you know, 12 disciples, so confused, you know, and struggling. But Jesus smells that uh, rat. And so, you know, what are the limitations God's placed around you today as a, as a gift to protect you, to, to boundary you, to uh, keep your feet on the ground? Humble, you know, the word humble comes from the word hummus, you know, humus, you know, grounded. And uh, this issue of, of embracing limits is a deeply spiritual issue that I got to come back to all the time. And uh, limits of your personality, you know, of how God's made you in terms of what you can take and ec- people-wise and energy-wise and, uh, you know, where do you get your energy and uh, what season of life that you're in. Uh, if you're married, uh, the kind of person you're married to and how you walk out your oneness of your marriage. If you're singleness, to have a healthy singleness, the kind of uh, things you need to put around you to walk in a healthy single- singleness and, uh, you know, for Christ. Or just your life situation right now, or your emotional, physical, intellectual capacities. We, we all have tremendous limits. That's why we need to sleep and, and eat. Uh, maybe you're going through some difficult emotions. That's a limit. Uh, you need time to process uh, what's going on inside of you. I like to say that again when when you're anxious or when you find yourself angry a lot. Those those are oil lights going on in the line in the car, saying something's wrong here. There's oil lights screaming out, saying uh, God's trying to get your attention. You know, slow it down. Uh, and even some of the scars and wounds from our family past, and I, and I'm very aware I've got some that just limit me, uh, and have always limited my leadership. Uh, but that some of these limits and scars out of my genogram have actually been gifts uh, that I've needed to embrace because they've forced me to be more dependent on God, less judgmental, uh, and able to let go and trust better. So, let me ask you this question again: You know, what anxiety do you? you are you approaching today as you lead, you know, for Jesus? Uh, it is, and, and and what might it look like for you? Take a deep breath and relax uh, in Jesus to trust Jesus. That is your first work as a leader. That's my first work today, uh, and I'm actually going to some significant meetings today, uh, thinking about 
developing leaders and table leaders and training for the uh, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course you know, around the world. And some people have flown in here and or come, come over here and we're going to have an all-day meeting. So I got, I got a big day ahead of me. Uh, and the most important thing I can do today uh, is to take a nice deep breath and, and enough time so I can get centered uh, with my anxieties and let them go and get in a relaxed place with Jesus. And that's why structuring our lives, uh, structuring our, our lives around a rule of life, around a structure, what do I need at this season so that I can lead in a relaxed fashion? Because you can rest assured of this, the people around you have anxiety. And uh, what is success? Success uh, in leadership is to do God's will, God's way in God's timing. And fast and big and large is that's of course what's going to get the attention of the world and make the magazines and uh, looks great on Instagram and social media but uh, it doesn't mean it's the way of Jesus for you and the question for you is what is that unique life and leadership that he's God has given to you at this season to walk in and you can rest assured of this we can learn from Jesus the most important thing you can do for those you lead and those who look to you those you influence is for you to be one with the Father, to walk in loving union with Him. You can trust Him. He will bring you the people you need at the right time. And sometimes when things are diminishing, uh, God is in that. And we can relax in that because if we abide in Him, we will always bear fruit that remains long-term. Again, it may not be tomorrow, but it will remain. And it may look like we're in the backwoods and obscurity and things are going nowhere and people are looking and say, what's the problem? Uh, and, and, but if we can relax, and yes, we do lead. You know, Leadership is knowing what to do next, why it's important, and bringing the resources to bear to make that happen. I believe in that. We are called to lead our ministries and churches and nonprofits. And we've got a business here. We are called to lead. But the question is our inner being and how we do it. And so... As anxiety comes up for you today or in this season, I want to invite you to take a deep breath, you know, and hear the words of Jesus. You know, he, my time has not yet fully come, and that you want to be discerning and listening and getting counsel uh, about the Father's pace. And if you're having anxiety and rushing, you can almost rest assured something's off kilter. All right, everybody, uh, let me just encourage you to. Uh, Go to our website at emotionallyhealthy.org uh, and especially slash launch. And uh, let me encourage you to, to get into the uh, discipleship, the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. We've got this great launch kit now available to you. But it's all based on the daily office, cultivating our oneness with the Father. That is the core, the center of uh, what we consider emotionally healthy discipleship that we want to bring to churches and ministries. And so I want to invite you personally to engage it uh, because you want to cultivate deeper rhythms of being with Jesus. And with along with scripture and devotion, but there's a, a component of silence and stillness built into your days uh, enough so that you can embrace your limits non-anxiously and you can offer a relaxed presence today to those around you. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you today. And may the Lord breathe on you and... and uh, just settle your anxieties and uh, may he fill you with his peace to overflowing uh, and that where you walk today, 
you may bring the aroma of Jesus and your cup may overflow, you know, in his name, you know, amen. And so just remember, as Thomas Aquinas said, the most difficult life is a mixed life. That is actively serving Jesus while at the same time remaining a contemplative. That is a person who is anchored in being with Jesus. And it's easier, he wrote, to be behind a cloistered wall, praying all day and not dealing with people. That's easier. Uh, or being active and not having a contemplative life or a walk with God. The other extreme, that's easier because you're not trying to be anchored in Jesus. But it was the most difficult challenge where we need the grace of God is a mixed life, which is we're out there in his mission, in, in, in the Father's mission of the world. But we're doing it from a deep place. And I just love this passage and i've been on it for months i go back to it in john 7 where jesus is being pressured to go the world way of success uh by well-meaning family members and he just refuses and i just love it and so may god make you and god make myself it's that anchor today god bless everybody you have a wonderful day